0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: How can you promote the worship of something when you're an atheist? Well, what do you promote the worship of? You promote the worship of man. And when you listen to the atheist voices in the culture today, what are they doing? They're denying the existence of God and they're exalting the minds of men worshiping men.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis, chapters 10 through 12, in a message titled God and the Nations. Now here's Pastor Brian.
1: All of those gods that the Greeks worshipped and the Romans worshipped and before them the Egyptians worshipped and later the Hindus would worship, all of those gods were just variations of the gods that were worshipped in Babylon. It was basically just the same god with a name change for the particular nation or region that they were worshiped in. So you know if you're looking at the difference between um, Roman and Greek, the Greeks saw the, the, the chief god as Zeus, the Romans saw the chief god as, as Jupiter. Jupiter and Zeus were the same person. And so you had, uh, you know, with the Greeks, you had Apollos, and with the, the Romans, you had Mercury, and, you know, so... Basically, it was all the same deities. It was just different names. And all the way into India and the the Hindu gods and goddesses, all of those, even today, if you were to trace them back, you would find that all of these things originated in Babylon. In fact, Nimrod himself was later deified as the chief Babylonian god, and we read about him in the Bible, he's referred to in scripture as Merodach or Marduk. So when you're reading about Marduk, say in Isaiah, you're actually reading about the deification of this person that we talked about a few moments ago, Nimrod. So this is what's happening. There's an attempt This is another concerted effort to rebel against the true God. Now, I don't know, and neither does anybody else, how long of a time has passed since Noah and his family came out of the ark. Obviously, a fair number of people have now populated the earth, so A fair amount of time, a few hundred years maybe, have passed. We don't really know. But it's so astounding how so quickly after this judgment that wiped out everybody on the planet could be forgotten or ignored, and that same rebellious tendency beginning to to rear its head and, and now once again, a revolt against the true God. Notice what they say. Come, let us build ourselves. Come, let us make. This is where it all began as far as religion goes. There's only one religion in the world, and we're gonna talk about this extensively next week, so I won't go into a whole lot of detail, but there's only one religion in the world that originated with God. God and that is the Judeo-Christian religion. Every other religion in the world began just like this one, come, let us make. Originated in the mind of man, no doubt with the help of the demonic world, undoubtedly. You know, it's amazing, I'll tell you an, an astounding parallel The parallels between Joseph Smith and Muhammad are astounding. Their experiences, the things that they claim to encounter. It is so similar in so many ways. Obviously there's differences as well, but very similar kinds of experiences that resulted in both cases with them believing that they had been given Uh, A new religious system from God. So, this is what religion is. Religion is, it's man made. Come, let us make. But again, along with that other component, the assistance of the demonic world. But notice also, they say, let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves. And this is what it always comes down to. It always comes down to you're either gonna worship the creator, the maker, or you will worship the creature. And in the end, man is always, you know, working at, attempting to deify himself. And, you know, the, the last religion to come, which is on its way, it's well on its way, is going to be humanism. I mean, it's already here. But it's gaining momentum. It's getting stronger and stronger. And and the essence of humanism, of course, is that there is no supernatural God. Man is his own God. Making a name for ourselves. So you see the seeds. Remember, Genesis is the book of beginnings. So the seeds for all of these things were, were seen early on. And so here like we've seen so many other things, the beginning of creation, the beginning of life, the beginning of marriage, and all of those things that we've looked at, here we see the beginning of false religion. Now notice God's response. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now, I was reading one commentator, and he said, "Well, this is obviously an anthropomorphism. God didn't literally come down. He, you know, it's it's talking about God just sort of looking down and seeing it, which might very well be. But then I thought, well, you know, we have other places in Scripture where God Himself actually comes. When we get to the situation with Sodom and Gomorrah, remember the Lord Himself is going to come and visit Abraham on his way to destroy those wicked cities. So." I would take it maybe more literally that, that the Lord really did come down in a bodily form to view what was going on. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one and they all have one language and this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. What the Lord is Referring to here is not man's unlimited potential for technology and advancing with good things. He's really talking about man's potential for unlimited evil. He says they're one and their language is one. And this combined with rebellion to God is a recipe for disaster. We've already seen what happened before when God has to wipe out the whole earth. So the Lord has got to break this up. But I think it's so interesting how God breaks it up. It's a a rather merciful judgment. No one's killed. There's no catastrophic kind of a thing that comes along to wipe anybody out. In some ways, it's almost humorous. And you think, you know, I mean, I know God's brilliant. He's obviously beyond brilliant. But you think, wow, what a, what a brilliant idea just to change everybody's language all of a sudden. Now, if you're like me, and have a limited capacity for just one language, (laughs) you know how effective this kind of a judgment would be. I mean, you know I travel a lot, and I go to a lot of places where I don't speak the language, and I don't know what it is in my brain, but I just can't get it anywhere. You know, I was in uh, Peru a while back, and Dave Eason was teaching me this phrase to say, you know, to the congregation when I got up there. And, and you know, i get up and look at everybody and forget it. It's only five words, but I just, I just can't remember it. And, you know, you, I'm sure you've been in a situation where you, <laughs> you've been in those situations where you're talking to somebody and you don't know the language, and they don't even know your language, but they don't seem to care or realize that that is any kind of a big deal, and they just keep talking to you. (laughs) They just, and you know, you're kind of yes or no, or I, and and then they just keep going on and on, and I, I mean, you know, what an effective way to break up a situation. I think it's really, I think it's really brilliant. But it's this, this capacity for evil now, think about this. The very thing that God intervened to disrupt this unified effort by sinful men to promote themselves to a place of deity, this is the very thing that man is endeavoring to do right now, again. What's the big emphasis in the world today? The big emphasis is unity. The big emphasis is we've got to all be one. We've got to all unite. Of course, we've got the United Nations. And you know the ambition of the United Nations. They want everybody to come under that one umbrella. But it's not just the United Nations. It's many world leaders. They see strength in in unity, and, and there's this effort to unify. But in order to unify, you have to be able to agree, and therefore you have to eliminate disagreeable ideas. And so the pressure to just conform. Everybody, let's just believe the same thing. Let's just think the same thing, and we can all get along together. And then with technology, what's happened with our technology? We, we're already getting over the, the hurdle that exists because of the language divisions. A few years ago, I was traveling. I was in an airport somewhere, and I saw an advertisement for some communications company. I don't remember which one it was, but this was their slogan, astoundingly. Their slogan was reversing the Babel effect. Reversing the Babel effect. I thought, wow, that is pretty blatant. We're going to undo what God did, and we're going to do what God prevented us from doing. We're going to all get together, and we're going to build a tower, and we're going to reach up to heaven and we're going to make a great name for ourselves. That is where things are headed. That's the new world order. That's the new religion that's coming the religion of man being exalted to deity. You know, I was, I was thinking about the, the passage concerning the, the false prophet at least I think it's a false prophet from Daniel there, it says that he will not worship any God, but in the place of the true God, he will honor a God of fortresses. And I, I personally think that that's the, the Jewish antichrist leading the, the world into the worship of the political antichrist. But you know, it says he will not worship any God. And I was thinking, wow, you know, a spiritual leader who is an atheist, how can you, Promote the worship of something when you're an atheist. Well, what do you promote the worship of? You promote the worship of man. And when you listen to the atheist voices in the culture today, when you listen to Dawkins and when you listen to all of those like him, what are they doing? They're they're denying the existence of God and they're exalting the minds of men worshipping men so god says come and let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech so the lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the city therefore its name is called babel because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Now, here's the interesting thing. The word Babel means the gate of God. The word Babel came to mean confusion because it was there at Babel that God confused the languages. So, you know, today we use that Terminology. Whether you're a Christian or you know the Bible, you hear people all the time saying, oh, what is that guy? You know, he's just babbling about this or that. It's a reference to this. It means you're not making any sense. And every attempt of sinful man to try to build a life, a society, or a world without God is doomed to fail and end in confusion. Every attempt. It's always been the case and it always will be the case. And I always think it's interesting. You know, we are part of a country that's, of course, we've passed our 200-year mark and, you know, four nations remaining strong. 200 years is kind of about, about the limit. But I think of the future kingdom that's coming will be the shortest-lived kingdom in all of history. It'll only be seven years and then it'll be over. It will end like every other kingdom has ended in utter confusion because it's an attempt to rule God out, exclude him. Now, one last thing on the language thing. There at Babel, God confuses their languages so they can't understand one another's speech, and he he sends them out all over the world. Remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? When the Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in other tongues, and everybody heard everyone else speaking in their own native tongue? There at that moment, God, in a very limited way, He reversed that, which happened in Babel. But what's the distinction? In Babel, sin was the motivating factor. On the day of Pentecost, righteousness was the element there. And, you know, God wants to break up sinners because the more sinners, the more sin, but he wants to unite the righteous, because the more righteous, the greater the strength. And so he brings us back together, giving that language. And according to Zephaniah, I believe it's Zephaniah, when everything has been completed, when it's all said and done, you know, it says there that God will restore to the peoples of the earth a pure language. And they'll have one language and they will all worship with that one language. I won't even have to worry about learning any languages because it'll all be back to the one. It'll all be back to the one. But real quickly, and then we'll close, um, verses 10 on through 26 follows again along with Shem and Faxed, and then right on down to verse 26, or or verse 25, verse 24. Nahor lived 29 years and begot Terah. And he begot Terah. After he begot Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and begot sons and daughters. Now Terah lived 70 years and begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. So you see, here we come now to Abram verse 27, this is the genealogy of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran begot Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in his native land in Ur of the Chaldeans. Then Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah, and the father of Iscah. But Sarai was barren. She had no child. And Terah took his son Abram and his grandson Lot, the son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they went out with them from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to Haran and dwelt there. So the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So this brings us to the second section of the book of Genesis, to the life of the patriarchs beginning with Abraham. But as we close, let me just again remind you, any and every attempt to build without God, to build a life without God is doomed to fail. It's doomed to fail. And so don't do that. (laughs) Because you don't want to fail. And God doesn't want you to fail. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper in your spirit. He wants you to experience all of his goodness that he has for you. Because apart from that, it's just confusion. I think of so many people whose lives are so out of whack, so disorderly. And, you know, like the beginning of creation, darkness is upon the face of the deep, without form and void. And that, of course, is the way it's gonna be for everyone who's trying to build their life without the Lord, but the troubling thing is when you find that that is the condition of a Christian, one of God's people. But it does happen, and it happens because occasionally we foolishly think that somehow we can do a better job with our lives than God can, but know this, confusion, that's where it goes and you don't want to go there. God, you know, the two, um, the two Greek words are the cosmos and the chaos. Cosmos speaks of order. Chaos, of course, is chaos, it's disorder. And God wants our lives to be cosmos. He wants them to be orderly, ordered by his love, by his grace, by his goodness, not in a state of chaos or confusion. And it's not difficult. It's just as simple as here I am, Lord. I want to do it your way. Thank you for your grace. It's going to help me and just go for it with the Lord.
0: Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Progress, Kindness, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. Western culture is characterized by particular values, whether it's the value of equality when it comes to social injustice, race, or gender, or whether it's the value of freedom regarding local laws or presidential elections. Many of our most cherished values find their historical roots in the Jesus Revolution, also known as Christianity. In his book, The Air We Breathe, Glenn Scrivener traces the history of seven different values that are commonly held in Western culture that their origins have gone unnoticed but find their beginnings in Christianity itself. He will take you through history from the beginnings in Genesis up to George Floyd to present his case. This book will open your eyes how Christianity shaped our values of both Christians and non-Christians alike. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Scrivener. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you